Chapter 14 Christmas in Dixie Carol and Cal flew into an almost deserted Birmingham airport on Christmas morning, picked up their rental car, and drove the two hours north to her sister's home on the Tennessee River. Merry Christmas, they called as they entered the front door directly into the kitchen. The smells of Carol's childhood filled the house. Though the people were long gone, her grandmother's dressing was on the counter, along with her great-aunt's tea cakes and her dad's famous sweet tea. Melody was at the sink washing the breakfast dishes, and she threw her dish towel on the counter. Oh my goodness, you're here, she said, picking Cal up and swinging him around. I thought you'd never make it. The sisters embraced, and Carol realized it was the longest stretch of time they'd ever spent apart. I've missed you so much, Mel. Me too, you. We've got a lot of catching up to do, Missy, she said as she raised an eyebrow at her younger sister. At 14 years older, Melody had always carried the weight of acting as both mother and big sister. Yes, we do. I'm loving the blonde hair. Melody's hair was naturally as dark as Carol's, but she cycled through a different color every few years. Dale Brock does too, Melody winked at her from behind tortoiseshell glasses, but that's not what I meant. Catch me up on what's happening in Texas. Let's eat first, Carol said, squeezing her sister's hand as Melody's husband and their three boys came pouring in from the other room, making the house very loud, very fast. Carol loved seeing how delighted Cal was by the attention from his cousins as they took turns scooping him up and giving him airplane spins around the living room. Melody set out the rest of the lunch dishes on the counter, and everyone dove in and started serving themselves. It's so much less formal than dinner last night, Carol thought, but it's home, and absolutely wonderful. She took a long drink of the sweet tea she had missed in Texas and looked around the table. Her heart felt like it was overflowing with love, just like it had the night before. Lord, you have been too good to me to make room in my heart for both of these places and all of these people, she thought, as she turned her attention to the story her brother-in-law was telling Cal about the first time he'd gone hunting. After a full lunch and an afternoon of opening presents, Cal and his cousins headed to the woods behind the house to try out his new bow and arrow that had been his Christmas gift from Melody and Dale. Cal was struggling to keep it off the ground as he trailed after the bigger boys. Target practice only, Cal, Carol called. Don't you dare hit any deer. She put her hand on her oldest nephew's shoulder before he left. And remember, William, he's only six. Yes, ma'am, William replied seriously. I'll take care of him. Melody motioned for Dale to go too, so he grabbed a cup of coffee and headed to the porch to keep a closer eye on things. All three of the boys loved everything about the outdoors. Thanks to their father, they were growing up riding four-wheelers, hunting, fishing, and camping. I say this every year, but it's so different than our Christmases were, Carol laughed. True, I hate to say it, but I don't think we'll be gathering around the piano tonight, Melody replied. Dad would be so mad at us. Oh, but they're thriving, Mel. Y'all are doing a wonderful job. The sisters started cleaning up from lunch, digging under the cabinets for plastic containers for leftovers, and falling into their household rhythms as if no time had passed. Okay, now that all the boys are gone, fill me in, Melody said. Fill you in on what? Carol asked innocently as she put the remaining dressing into a box, then licked the spoon before tossing it in the sink. Job's great. Cal loves his school. We found a good church. You're terrible. You know I want to know more about Charlie than the tiny amount you've told me. You've managed to change the subject every time we talk, and you've been holding out. Look at you. I've never seen you so happy. 
Carol put the rolls in a plastic bag and grinned at her sister. I've never been so happy. He's the most amazing man. His girls are wonderful, too. You're going to love them. So it's that serious, then? You've got us all meeting each other already? You're not worried about this happening too fast? It's weird, Carol said. It doesn't feel fast. We spent so much time together over the summer, just as friends. I feel like I really got to know him first before even thinking about anything else. Then it all started to shift one day. There was this connection that was just undeniable. We're in love, Melody. I think, well, I think he's going to ask me to marry him. Okay, then I've got to ask. The age thing doesn't bother you at all? Not at all, Carol said. It's not a big deal. You don't think you'll be dropping Cal off at college and then dropping Charlie off at the retirement home? Good grief, Melody. He's not ancient, Carol protested. For your information, he's not even 60. He's in excellent health and doing just fine in every area. She raised an eyebrow provocatively, and the two sisters dissolved into giggles as Dale returned to refill his coffee. What's so funny? he asked. Nothing, they replied at the same time. Jinx, they both said. Carol, one beat faster. You owe me a Coke, she said. Another childhood tradition. Dale rolled his eyes as he headed back outside. You haven't yet, Melody asked after they were alone again. No, 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 of course not. We keep joking that we have a six-year-old chaperone. Carol paused and grinned. But he sure can kiss. The next morning, Carol slipped on her fur-lined slippers and grabbed a blanket from the bed and her Bible from the nightstand. Cal was sound asleep on a pallet in the floor, and she tiptoed out, trying not to wake him. Knowing her sister's early morning habits, Melody had given her the room right next to the back door that led to the deck. Carol slipped outside and settled into the swing on the deck, blanket wrapped around her and Bible in hand. The Tennessee River was covered in a deep fog, with swirls of steam lazily drifting up to the gray sky. It was cold, and she pulled her knees to her chest, wrapping the blanket tighter around her and hoping Melody would be up to make coffee soon. The river always took her breath away. Even though they'd grown up in Birmingham, their dad's parents' home had been here, just one slew over from where Melody lived now. They spent their summers water skiing, trying to catch mussels, and having swim races to their island, a small stretch of trees and sand a quarter of a mile out. Even in the winter, though, she felt like the river surrounded her with warmth, giving her a sense of calm and steadiness. She heard God's voice more clearly in this spot than anywhere else in the world, and looking at the river reminded her that God had always been and would always be. She closed her eyes and took a deep breath, smelling the nearby chimneys, a hint of fish, and the cold air. She tried to inhale strength from the water as she thought about the day ahead. Seeing Ryan's family was never easy, and she suspected this visit would be especially difficult. They'd been resistant to the idea of her move to Texas. She hadn't told them they were the main reason she was moving. She opened her eyes and quietly caught her breath. A bald eagle was flying over the water as a cluster of mallards moved quickly down the river below. The eagle landed in the tallest tree at the edge of the yard. Hello, beautiful, she whispered. The eagle paused for just a moment, then flew away again as quickly as it had landed. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, she murmured. Where have I seen that before? She flipped through her Bible to try to find the chapter as she heard the back door open. 
Her sister walked out, two steaming cups of coffee in hand. Gracious, it's cold. You ready for today? Melody asked, handing her the cup and sitting beside her on the swing. Carol wrapped both hands around it and took a long sip. Ready or not, she tried to smile. Have you talked with them since you've been in Texas? Not really, Carol replied. I mailed them Cal's school picture and called to make sure it was okay for us to come today. Otherwise, we haven't really spoken. They're not still pressuring you to move in, then. Carol shook her head. I think the distance has been good for all of us. She took a deep breath and another sip of coffee as she gazed across the river, wishing the eagle would return. How did Mom and Dad do it for so many years? Carol asked. Live with all the tension, I mean. I don't think I could have taken it. Well, Melody reflected. They had each other, and they were looking out for me. You know how kids can motivate you to do more than you think you're able to do. And they had their faith. That's true. Carol smiled and nodded. What brought that up? Melody asked. Well, like I had told you, I've just been thinking a lot about our family lately, Carol replied. I just, I feel like there's a whole part of mom that I don't know at all, and a whole side of our family that I missed out on. Do you ever feel like that? A little bit, Melody nodded slowly, but I can see how you'd feel that way more since you never got to know her. Daddy had such a hard time talking about her afterwards. People grieve so differently, Carol said, thinking of the hole Honey had left in her family and in Davidson. She took another long sip of coffee and pulled the blanket tighter around her. Our grandmother was black, and our grandfather was white, Mel, and that was a big deal in Alabama then. But until I met Uncle Willie, I knew next to nothing about her family. I guess it's that connection to Mom that I've really been missing— I want Cal to know who he is, who he fully is as he grows up. I guess I want to know who I am, too. Melody stroked her sister's hair and tucked a strand behind her ear, reminding Carol of when she was a little girl. Of course, baby, she said. I can't wait to meet our uncle and hear some of these stories for myself. Melody sighed, then continued. Mama was amazing, but there were things she didn't like to talk about either. I'm pretty sure things were even tougher for her growing up than they were for me. She'd always say that music could save you. That's when Daddy would pretend to get on to her and tell her she was being sacrilegious because only Jesus can save you. I think I would have liked her a lot, Carol said. Oh, goodness, yes, Melody replied, and she would have loved you so much. I know. Carol smiled at her sister gratefully. And you know how much I love you too, right? Melody asked, tugging one of her sister's curls. I know that too. Carol replied, then drank the last sip of her coffee and shook her mug. Well, guess we'd better get ready. Might as well get this over with. They made their way inside, and an hour later, she and Cal headed out the door. Melody put a travel cup of coffee into Carol's hand and whispered, Good luck. Carol made sure Cal was out of earshot and whispered back, Thanks. I always need it with them. Melody gave her a hug and a concerned look. Do you want me to call in Libby for reinforcements? Carol laughed. Libby was Melody's mother-in-law. She and Carol had been fast friends since the first time they'd met. And Libby reminded her a lot of Amy, and that you'd rather her be your friend than your enemy. She was also one of the few people in town who was brave enough to stand up to Jean Allen. No, no, we'll be okay, Carol said. Exactly, it'll all be okay, Melody said. Just remember, I'll be here when you're done with coffee. As Carol drove north and crossed the Tennessee River, her shoulders tightened, and she gripped the steering wheel harder. 
by the time they pulled into the driveway of Doug and Jean Allen's imposing historic home in downtown Bradshaw, the rock in her stomach felt like it had grown as big as Texas. Carol took another long sip of coffee, popped in a breath mint, turned off the car, and looked at Cal in the back seat. You ready, buddy? Yeah, he replied. Remember, that's yes ma'am inside, right? And no sir. Very important to your nana. She winked, and he grinned. How long do we have to stay? He asked. Just long enough to be polite, she thought, tugging on a curl. Instead, she said, we'll see, but we should be back to Aunt Melody's in time for lunch. He grinned again, and she knew visions of shooting arrows in the backyard were eclipsing any worry he might forget to say ma'am to his grandmother. They knocked on the door, tastefully wrapped gifts in hand, and Jean opened it with a smile. Well, hello, you two Texans, she said. Come on in. They walked into the entryway and took off their coats, hanging them in the front closet. Shoes off, please, she said lightly, and Cal and Carol complied, putting their shoes in the designated basket beside the closet. Everything always in its place, she remembered Jean advising her when she and Ryan got their first apartment. Carol's laid-back approach to housekeeping never sat well with her. Cal, Jean asked, aren't you going to give your Nana a hug? Sure, Nana, he said, as he grabbed her tightly around the waist. Even though she'd asked for the hug, she startled at his touch, hugged him briefly in return, then patted his back to indicate it was time to let go. Oh my goodness, what in the world happened to your arm? Jean asked. I broke it, Cal told her triumphantly. Isn't the black cast awesome? My, it's something, Jean replied. You'll have to tell me all about it since your mother didn't mention it. All about what? Doug came down the stairs, his voice carrying across the entryway and echoing off the black and white marble floor. The massive staircase at the front of the house was wrapped with garlands of ivy and holly berries interspersed with lights. His arm, Doug, Jean said. It's broken. Broken, huh? Doug asked, shaking Cal's other hand solemnly. What happened? Didn't get into a fight, did you? I fell out of a tree, Cal said, the day after Thanksgiving. I didn't even cry. Much. Doug gave Cal a quick hug and said, Okay, tough guy. Santa might have left a thing or two for you under the tree in the great room if you want to check it out. Jean ushered Cal into the great room, where a large Christmas tree was in the corner, decorated entirely with white lights and crystal ornaments. Doug and Carol followed behind them, and he put his hand on her lower back. She stiffened immediately. Welcome, weary traveler, he said quietly, then pulled her to him for a hug, wrapping his arms around hers and pressing her chest to him. Caught off guard, she tried to push against him, but he pulled her to him more tightly. Oh, come on, don't make a scene in front of Cal, he whispered. Besides, I can give my daughter-in-law a hug, can I? Seconds later, he released her and walked into the great room as if nothing had happened, sitting beside Jean on the couch. Come on in and get settled, Jean said. We want to hear all about your big adventure out west. Carol felt breathless and queasy and chose a chair on the opposite side of the tree. Cal sat on his knees in front of it and looked for his gifts. Your name's on them, Cal. Go right ahead and open them up, Doug encouraged. Just be careful of the tree, please, Jean admonished. As Cal opened his gifts, Carol looked around the room that had been restored to its turn-of-the-century glory. The floors were the original hardwoods, and even the wallpaper was vintage. 
The antique furniture was also refurbished from the 1890s, which meant it was both beautiful and uncomfortable, much like the rest of the house, Carol thought. She remembered the first time she and Ryan had visited his parents. He had told her a few of the rules. No food or drinks in the great room, shoes off at the front door, and ma'am and sir were required. He gave her a quick lesson on place settings and which fork to use when. He'd actually been kind about it, she remembered with a smile, grateful at the reminder that things hadn't always been bad between them. Even though they'd both ended up at Samford, Carol had always felt like they were raised in two different worlds. Ryan had told her about growing up being part of the Children of the Confederacy. His mother was president of the local chapter, and he'd participated in the annual battle reenactments. Thanks to owning a lumber company, their family was wealthy and socially established in the small towns in the northern part of the state. Carol's childhood in the Birmingham suburbs was much more progressive. Before her mother's death, her parents had been music ministers at their church and active in civil rights work, which her father had continued even after he'd moved to the teaching position at Samford. After taking her dad's music class as an elective, Ryan had been fascinated by his work in the ministry and how he'd been involved with the push for civil rights in the 1970s. He had even been considering changing his major from accounting to religion, but Doug and Jean exploded when he'd told them at dinner during that first visit home. Absolutely not, Jean had said. We've been expecting you to work for your father and expand the business farther south. The company needs an accountant, someone who can eventually take over the business, not a preacher. It wasn't the direction his parents had expected him to go, and Carol wasn't at all the kind of girl they'd expected him to marry, she thought. She seemed sweet, son, she remembered hearing Doug tell him from the next room. Got quite a nice build. He'd whistled softly as he looked around the corner at Carol, who overheard and cringed with embarrassment. She's not the kind of girl you get serious about. We don't even know her family. You want a girl who can help you with your goals, not hold you back. You won one and lost one, Ryan, Carol thought. You dug in your heels on me, but gave up your choice on what to do with your life. Her dad and Melody had been concerned about Ryan's volatile nature from the beginning, but Carol had thought he was just passionate. He had such a brilliant mind, too, and she felt like she could help him use his gifts for something good. She hadn't realized then how hard it would be to pull someone else up to a higher level than they wanted to be. Thank you, Nana. Thank you, Pop, Cal said excitedly, bringing her back to the present. Mom, look, it's a real football with the Auburn logo on it. Mr. Charlie's going to love this. Carol looked surprised at the mention of Charlie's name, and Jean looked at her suspiciously. Who did you say, Cal? Mr. Charlie. He's our friend, and he hangs out a lot with Mom because he really likes her. He was with me when I broke my arm, and he didn't even yell at all. Hey, Pop, do you want to go outside and throw this with me? Doug chuckled and stood. Sure, Cal. Let's head out to the backyard. He looked pointedly from Carol to Jean. Sounds like you two have some catching up to do. As Doug and Cal made their way outside, Jean and Carol moved from the great room to the kitchen, where Jean poured two cups of coffee into her Christmas china. Carol had been considering telling them about Charlie, but had thought she would wait until they were officially engaged, and until she was safely back in Texas. It was the kind of conversation she would much rather have had over the phone. So I take it you're seeing someone already, Jean said. Don't you think it's a little soon? Well, um, maybe, 
Carol stammered, but it was unexpected, really. Charlie and I met at church. He's a widower as well, and he's been very kind to Cal. He teaches in the children's department, actually. The children's department? Doesn't that seem odd to you? Odd? Carol replied. No, why? Well, Jean said, how many men tend to teach children? Just seems unusual. Charlie started teaching after his wife passed. She was the children's pastor at their church, and I think it helped him stay close to her. It's very sweet, really. He's very sweet. Carol blushed, and Jean raised her eyebrows. Does he know about Cal's trust fund? Oh, Carol said. Well, I think he probably knows we're secure financially, but I haven't shared those details. No. Why do you ask? Well, again, Carol, it all just seems rather sudden. Don't you think it's possible he's interested in something more than... She trailed off. More than me? Carol asked. Well, Jean continued, you just never know what men are thinking. She glanced out to the back at Doug and Cal jogging around the yard. I'm only looking out for Cal. And you, of course. You were our daughter-in-law. Carol noted the past tense, took a deep breath, and decided to take the proverb to heart to overlook an offense. I've been really careful, Jean, she said. I wouldn't bring anyone into Cal's life that I didn't trust. I hadn't even intended to date at all until he was much older, but Charlie is a good man. He has grown daughters of his own. Grown? Jean asked, and Carol winced at the piece of information she hadn't intended to share. Just how old is this man, Carol? Oh, he's a bit older than I am, but not that much, she hedged. How old? Carol sighed. He's in his mid-fifties. Good heavens, Jean continued, old enough to be your father. That is completely inappropriate. What kind of example does that set for Cal? Well, I hope it sets the example that two people can love each other despite differences on the surface. That's the example my parents set, and is the kind of example his father and I had intended to set, at least in the beginning, Carol said, trying to keep her anger in check. Jean's face flushed at the mention of Ryan. If my son had married someone who wasn't quite so different, she said coldly, I can't help but think he'd be here now. You know, the night he... The night we lost him, when he was set on getting back into the ministry, all he kept talking about was how he wanted to make you and your father proud. Wait, what? He wanted to... You saw him the night he died? You didn't know that, Jean asked. He was up here, ranting about how coming back to work for our family's business was the worst mistake of his life, how he should have stayed in the ministry, had missed his calling. He didn't seem to care about making his own father proud. I... I never knew that, Carol said trying not to let her tears escape. I just thought... I just thought he'd been out at the same bar he was at every other night of the week, she said to herself. Well, I suppose it doesn't really matter now, does it? He's gone, and he deserved better, Jean said. My son deserved better, and it sounds like my grandson does too. Doug and I will have to discuss this. What does that even mean? Carol asked. You would take out a disagreement with me on Cal? Surely not even you would do that, Jean. The older woman's face flushed again, and she narrowed her eyes. She opened her mouth to speak, but Carol put out a hand to stop her. No, wait, that was too far. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that the way it sounded. Carol said a quick prayer for graciousness and continued. I know things have never been great between us, but I want Cal to know you and love you. You're the only grandparents he has. Well, it sounds like with Charlie, you've given him another one. Jean said icily. 
We'll try to take care of Cal, but we'll be watching your choices as you raise our grandson. We were already frustrated that you took him so far away, but now, putting a new person in his life without our consent, I can only tell you I'm extremely unhappy. You've been extremely unhappy for a long time, Carol thought. She also knew, from experience, the conversation wasn't going to get any better, so she just decided to end it for the moment. I understand, she said. At that moment, Cal and Doug ran in from the cold, Cal clutching his football, his curls tighter than usual from the dampness. It had started drizzling, and while it wasn't quite cold enough to freeze, it was too cold to play outside. Doug went to grab a couple of towels from the mudroom, and Jean and Carol stood in silence. When he returned, Doug wrapped a towel around Cal, looked from Jean to Carol, and went immediately to his wife's side. Well, it was so kind of you to visit us during your vacation, Jean said. I do hope you'll stop by the next time you happen to be in Alabama. Carol knelt toward Cal and smiled at him. Looks like it's time to go, bud. Go get your things, okay? Already? he asked, surprised. Still crouching, Carol looked up at Jean and Doug, who didn't say anything in response. Yeah, it's time to head back to Aunt Mel's. She stood as Cal quickly gathered his things and gave his grandparents a hug. They patted him on the back, and he and Carol headed to the rental car. Carol thought how out of place the small sedan looked parked next to the new Lexus in the circular driveway. But then again, she'd always felt out of place in Ryan's parents' home. Jean remained standing in the doorway, and Doug followed them to the car. Cal got buckled in, and she sat down in the driver's seat. Before she could close the door, Doug leaned inside, his hand next to her thigh on the seat. Remember, no matter what Jean says, you're always welcome here, he said quietly. My offer still stands for you to move in with us. She held her breath and stared straight ahead. He finally stood, tapped the top of the car, and returned to his wife's side. As the tall front door closed firmly, Carol realized she was shaking. Even though she'd had multiple encounters like this with both Doug and Jean over the years, she still left feeling bruised. It's hard being away from Melody, but it's worth it to keep Cal from growing up with this constant tension and scrutiny, she thought, grimacing. One kind from Jean and another kind from Doug. Up for some hot chocolate, Cal? She asked, trying to sound more cheerful than she felt. I'll bet the bookstore's open today. Yes, he said enthusiastically as she pulled onto the road. She couldn't get back to their side of the river fast enough. Hey, Mom, can I ask you something? Why does Nana always seem so mad? Whew, that's a tough question, buddy. You know, it was really hard on your Nana and Pop when your dad went to heaven. They miss him, and I think she doesn't know how to show that sometimes. They don't really know Jesus in the same way we do, and I think she doesn't let him help her. Yeah, he was quiet for a minute. Hey, Mom, can I tell you something else? Promise you won't tell Nana? Sure, I promise. Sometimes I don't really miss Dad. Cal said in a tiny voice, and sometimes it's hard to remember him at all, except did he, did he yell a lot? Carol's eyes filled with tears. Sometimes he did, bud. Your dad was having a tough time with some things just before he went to heaven. You know, it's okay to feel whatever you feel or don't feel about him, but I promise to help you try to find some good ways to remember him, okay? Could things really have been turning around for Ryan, she thought. 
Maybe that's the story I could tell Cal, the way I could frame things about his dad. Okay, and Mom? Yeah? I've been thinking about something else. What's that, pal? I've sort of been wondering about following Jesus, too. Mr. Charlie and I have been talking about it at church sometimes, and I think I want to be baptized. Carol looked in the rearview mirror, surprised. Wow, that's a big decision. That's what Mr. Charlie said, too. Carol laughed. Following Jesus is the most important decision you'll ever make, so I want to be sure you understand what that means. Let's keep talking about it, okay? Maybe you, Mr. Charlie, and I can all talk about it when we get back. Hey, Mom, do you think maybe Mr. Charlie could be the one to baptize me? Carol's eyes filled with tears again, and she managed to say, Yeah, I think he could do that. Why are you crying? Oh, it's okay. They're just happy tears. You know Mom's silly like that sometimes. Yeah, I know. Hey, Mom? She chuckled and drew on her inner reserve of patience for yet another question. I can have hot chocolate even though it's still morning, right? Right. Carol laughed, grateful for an easier answer. They crossed the river again, the tightness in her chest dissipating, and pulled into the town's bookstore, the place she'd told Amy about back in the summer. I'm so thankful things are okay with her again, she thought. The bookstore hosted author talks, chess fests, and game nights, and in her opinion, they made the best coffee in Alabama. She got a large cup for herself and a small hot chocolate for Cal and they decided to browse a few minutes before heading back to her sister's since it was so early. When Cal was engrossed in the children's section, she took a chance, pulled out her phone, and called Charlie. There wasn't enough reception at Melody's house to get through on a cell phone, and she'd missed hearing his voice. The call went straight to voicemail. Hey, sweetheart, it's me. We just finished at Cal's grandparents, and, well, it wasn't great. Everything's okay now. I just needed to hear your voice. She paused, swallowed hard, then said more cheerfully, Cal got a football. He's excited to show you. Y'all are going to have fun throwing that around. And who knows? Maybe you'll make this trip back here with us next time. Dale will take you out to hunt with the guys, she laughed, and waited again, halfway hoping he would pick up, as if she were talking to an old-school answering machine. Okay, I miss you. I love you. I'll be home soon. 